TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner to Los Angeles. We go. Rabbi Abraham Cooper joins us. He is the Associate Dean of the Simon Wiesenthal Center, Director of their Social Media Outreach. So good to have you back, Rabbi Cooper. How are you? Well, it's, uh, that's actually the Global Social Action Global uh, social. That's where the action is right. on social media, social right? Social media, you have to ask my grandchildren about. <laughs> so you do global. Well, isn't all the action today, or a lot of it on social media, all that, the hate groups coalesce there? Uh, and... Absolutely correct, which is why we have our uh, Digital Terrorism and Hate Project. And by the way, in mid-March, probably right around Purim, we'll be releasing our annual report that includes a report card on all of the social media giants, now, as someone who never got straight A's myself in Yeshiva Flatbush, so uh, we're not only not giving straight A's, but a lot of the companies are going to be uh, not happy with the grades they get, Twitter, others. Well, some of them are pretty bad. They stifle free speech, and you know, you can have, in Iran, you can call for the destruction of Israel, and they won't ban you, but uh, they'll ban you for saying other things in the United States. I just right. don't understand the logic. It's also, uh, if you follow more globally, it's actually much worse. The Houthis, which you know are vicious anti-Semites, and uh, have tortured one of the last remaining Jews in Yemen simply because he's a Jew and is still being incarcerated if he's still alive. Uh, they send the missiles and drones after the, uh, Israel's president when he went to the UAE. Uh, and uh, they have multiple platforms on Twitter, in Urdu, in the different languages of the Middle East, that they use as recruitment tools and to spread hatred of the Jewish people and that most of us are completely unaware of. So social media is the front line of a lot of uh, our concerns. And uh, the Wiesenthal Center, you know, we've been at it almost now 30 years. And thankfully... The people who are doing the work understand the technologies a lot better than uh, than I do. So uh, how so so how come? Let me ask you: You have access. You deal with these big groups. So how could they get away with not banning the speech that talk calls for destruction of Israel by Khomeini and the other leadership in Iran? How could they get away with that in today's well, age? Well, I I think it's a it's a uh, sort of a central question, and you can expand that to. You know, the whole issue of uh, detouring into political censorship uh, and and uh, actually trying to control the flow of information. I think the answer really is, is that, uh, you know, we hear from senators and congressmen that things have to change. But so far, uh, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar uh, uh, business and a lot of effort is spent to deflect responsibility uh, from the companies and make sure that the current rules in place in terms of even minimal regulation are in change. But something uh, dramatic is going to have to change about social media, how they go about doing it, because all of the things they've told us for decades they couldn't do, about working together and, and about, uh, you know, uh, zero, zero options, uh, nuclear options on repeat offenders, everything they said they couldn't do, 
they did in the midst of the presidential campaign, and it continues till now. So we have to get them back on course uh, to to do their uh, job of uh, limiting and degrading the, the marketing capabilities uh, of the Nazis uh, and and uh, the Islamists and everybody else in between. But have you ever considered are, doing a campaign against Twitter or Facebook, any of these companies that allow these vile expressions to take place and maybe so come on the carpet I mean, and make we, a campaign we, about uh, it? We meet with these companies regularly. I'm not about meeting. I'm talking we, about actually making a campaign because it's, it's not we working. We also get a lot of the material removed. When you talk about a campaign, I'm all for campaigns, the ones that will work, not the ones that will Now, when we talk about taking on the biggest of the big in really in the world, we need to assembly, assemble um, more allies, and we have to make sure that we, we focus the core concern here. Because if you land up making this an issue of uh, you want to censor speech, we lose every time. Now, they're the ones who are actually censoring speech, and too many of them are allowing the, the evildoers to market their hate 24-7. So we're, we're in it. We're, gonna try, we're open to all ideas about how to move forward. Uh, but we have to make sure that we can get results. They're very complicated because other democracies have other rules about where to draw the line on speech. The United States, we've always felt until recently, whether you were a libertarian or a, a liberal, that free speech was pretty sacrosanct. That's out the window now with the social media giants. We have to get them to refocus on making sure that the bad actors and the terrorists and the food chain of extremism uh, is dealt with, and less so about who sh we should be electing, uh, voting for in the in the next elections in November. No, I agree with you, and I want to get back to that, but I want to focus. I want to play a clip that everybody has been talking about the last couple of days. Whoopi Goldberg. Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's well, not about race. It's about a different but, race, but it's it's not about race. It's not about race. So she made these remarks. She apologized. Do you think she should have been banned by a, by Disney from The View for making the remarks? Uh, and she apologized? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not Rafa Machshir on this stuff, and I'm, but a lot of experience. So but let me just say about uh, uh, what she said was really horrendous, but it's not her original idea. Not coming from a bad place. She She is... You know, coming from I get you guys live in New York. I'm, I'm a refugee. I'm, I'm going to say ignorance. I'm going to say so, comes from ignorance. But, uh, no, I think it's actually a little bit deeper than that, and that is that the the woke definitions, the 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 new Dalit Amot, if you will, the new, the new sort of uh, when when society you know talks about issues, there's a whole new sort of definition of terms out there. So, for example, racism, uh, for some, uh, including within the Jewish community, now relates exclusively to people of color. And that's not uh, her idea. It's something that's now repeated over and over and over again. I think it's now taught in the schools. And here's the problem. When you grid that new definition over what happened in the Shoah, it doesn't compute. Because 
Adolf Hitler, the Nazis, they were all about racism and race. They were they had the Aryan race and everybody else. And under the Jews that. being the inferior race, and right. There we were the ultimate inferior, but just above us were the Slavs. Except so the whole thing was based on racism. Their definition of racism and race. We we know the Jewish people know too well what that was all about. But if you have a new working definition of race that talks exclusively about people of color, this is what you come up with. Well, they so, say the Jews and the European Jews, for the most part, were white, and the Germans were white. So maybe you should look at it as white on white, as opposed to yeah. But I guess I guess um, they don't know the whole uh, parsha <laughs> of what happened to the Jews in Salonika, or how it was uh, King Mohammed in Morocco who basically told the Germans, "Go to hell, even though you're occupying our country, you're not taking our Jews." Uh, we now have the evidence that uh, Hitler told the Grand Mufti of Palestine, when we take over Palestine, we'll wipe out all the Jews there. So this is all about race. That's exactly, you might even say, they're the ones who brought race and racism to the table. And so when you have that kind of statement, yeah, you can say that the Jews, quote-unquote, not a race because we have Baruch Hashem. We have white Jews. We have black Jews. We have the three day of the Jews of China. We, made Aliyah. We, we have. So in that sense, uh, we, you know, we, we taught from from Rashid from the very first uh, story of Adam. There's one person at the beginning because we all come There's one. It's the human race. So we're often put into, you know, to the to the to the whites. Uh, we're not white enough, you know, and, and to the blacks, we're too white. If you want to play that kind of politics, you land up eliminating and erasing Jewish history, Jewish life, Jewish values uh, from important institutions. So, but, so hey, but here's my question, Robert Cooper. Please. Is that, listen, she's coming from a woke place. She's extremely liberal and has these ideas. And the state right, but she's was also based been out of very that. outspoken for, for years but that's my, uh, on a lot of issues. You know, she's, this is not a person who uh, I don't think she has a, a bad bone in her body, right. and I also don't but think that, that but she's exactly a my, my, that's the rest of my, my question. But she's parroting now a, the new, positions. A, a, a new definition. So let me ask you this question, so, and I agree with you. Wrong. Absolutely. She's woke, and it's wrong. It's a new definition of racism. It's part of the whole new culture. So, But once she said it, and she apologized, I thought her apology was good, so my question was, does, does anything, is there anything to be gained by having her banned for two weeks from the program or people calling to that she should be banned forever from the program? In other words, once she made the mistake and she apologized right. for it, is there anything right. to be gained by right. having uh, this? Uh, yeah, that's I my question. I think that's for, you know, that's up to ABC. If I was on the inside looking out, I would say she made an appropriate apology. But now I have a better question to ask. How about ABC's chuva? How about the parent company, even though they said, look, we didn't know what was going to be said, fine. Give us an hour on national television to explain to the American people the full scope of what racism really is. Have a debate if you want to have the wokesters come and tell us, uh, no, you're all white. Really? Well, we weren't white enough for the Nazis. 
it's just it's absurd to play that kind of identity politics that's so corrosive and in a fundamental way dishonest and people you know kids who are have to answer a multiple choice question in school they're going to have to give the new answer if they want to get a 90 on their test so in in that sense it's better that it came out now so that everybody understands um you know why she said it where did she get this from she didn't make this up on her own and i think it's also a teaching moment for jewish activists and jewish organizations um you know who who believe sort of uh, either they understand the current trends in uh, society and are prepared to adopt those kinds of definitions adopting a definition that says that racism excludes Jews exactly mirrors what happened what I experienced at the Durban conference in South Africa in 2001 when we had a woman get up at the uh, at the conference and say I don't understand you just talked about an attack on a synagogue a fire in Paris anti-semitism what does that have to do with racism anti-semitism has no connection with racism therefore we shouldn't be talking at all about anti-semitism here in Durban and they didn't so it's not new but what is new is that it, think of it this way you can have debates about which monument of which person in central park or in prospect park or in a park down in in Arlington Virginia should be pulled down or at the New York Public Library this is different this isn't pulling down a monument this is pulling down a historic fact of what racism has been for time and memorial and by doing that you land up erasing a whole slew of people guess who's at the front of that line to get erased we are you're right the Jews our guest is Rabbi Abraham Cooper associate dean and director of global social action agenda for the Simon Wiesenthal Center based in Los Angeles so, where do we go from here as far as anti-Semitism is growing and there's a new wokeness that views Jews as, you know, you can be anti-Semitic, maybe you're not racist. And there's a whole school of thought that's happening here. Why are we seeing all of a sudden greater amount of anti-Semitism? We're 2% of the population, but I believe, and you met with the FBI officials, I think, a whole bunch of them this week. I believe we're 2% of the population, but maybe 40%, 50% or more of the hate crimes in this country are directed against Jews. Right. I mean, for anyone who's sitting in the tri-state area or in Los Angeles, as I am, or in uh, West Rogers Park in Chicago, what happened last uh, Shabbat, you can go on and on and on. We don't need statistics to tell us what we see. Uh, uh, violent anti-Semitism and attacks on our institutions are, are on the rise. And there are, you know, many, many different uh, pieces that are at play. One of them, I might say, is that in terms of securing uh, our safety in uh and our streets and on the way to and from Beknesset it is uh or for a Jewish day school or a JCC we need full funding of the police across the United States we can't ask in Los Angeles which we have very close relations with the LAPD they're doing it with smoke and mirrors they had a huge chunk of their budget ripped off because of politics and as a result our community among others 
are less safe. Now, um, you know, I still drive like a New Yorker. I know if I'm on a highway where there are no police, right, and it's uh, 7.30 in the morning and I have a new rental, I'm not going 65 miles an hour. I might go to 80. That's just the way we're kind of wired. God forbid, when you want to talk about the criminal element, people who are maybe uh, incensed by what they, uh, or infected by what they absorb from social media, or maybe what they heard in the mosque, or maybe what happened, you know, in the Middle East to their family, if they think that nothing, that A, they may not get caught, or B, if they do, as in France, that the judicial system is not going to take it seriously, or in New York or L.A., where you now have bail before you can finish the paperwork, the perpetrators are out the door. And on top of it, everyone is locked away at home for COVID. So everything else is sort of magnified. That's one of the reasons. But, you know, Zeb, when I was in New York just before COVID, I met with the top NYPD, three of them, and asked them, what's the difference in New York in 2019, 2020? from five years ago. These numbers are staggering. And they all answered social media. So we definitely have to go after those companies. We have to make sure our elected officials, you know, uh, uh, stand with us. But yesterday, or earlier this week, when I met with seven top of uh, the folks from the FBI, including the guy who organized in less than three hours getting that uh, FBI SWAT team, down to Texas, uh, I met with the people who do the work. And I, I said to, him, to them, and we're going to pursue it directly with, the, uh, uh, with Christopher Ray and his office. American Jewry right now needs a special task force at the FBI on anti-Semitism. Why is that? You have local hate crime. We need, we need to be able to connect the dots on what's going on and why. We can't say maybe, if, whatever. Only our government has the tools to be able to help figure out, if you will, holistically, what's going on, who are the forces behind it, the fact that religious Jews are being beaten on the street. Why is that happening? Is that just because, again, anti-Semites feel there's nobody looking over their shoulder? Or is this, there are other forces at play? I, I defy any Jewish organization, any human rights group, any civil society group to say, I know how to connect the dots. We don't believe in intersectionality. We believe in the facts. Right, the facts. In are order for us to get the facts, and by the way, I think a lot of those facts are right there within the FBI. But like, God forbid, remember what happened with 9-11? The different agencies are overwhelmed with facts, but they weren't. They weren't communicating with each other. Everybody was in their own silo. And they couldn't connect I the dots. If that, they are the ones who need to help connect the dots. So, you know, thank, thank God for the police. We're so thankful. The state of New York, the feds, others, we get better cameras. We're hardening the targets. But we want to get past that era where we don't have to be looking over our shoulders to go pray and don't have to continue to spend millions of dollars each year in security to secure our constitutional rights and and our and our uh, need to be able to rejuvenate, uh, as all the other groups will, to rejuvenate our kahilot in our communities after COVID. Now, this is not a new trend, but there's always been a trend 
where you have somebody as an event that's clearly anti-Semitic, but they're reluctant to do so. I recall the Brooklyn Bridge incident where Ari Halberstam was killed. And yes, they said the road rage opposed to terrorism. Also in Texas, the FBI, and I, I wonder if you addressed it when you met with them, their reaction, well, this person, he's deranged. It's not really, he's really after the Jews. He's after something else. But you look clearly at the evidence, this person targeted the Jews. He was an anti-Semite, anti-Israel. But yet there's a reluctance to say this person is an anti-Semite. Right. come up with all kinds of other excuses, including in Texas. Did you speak to the FBI right. about that? Well, Zev, you know me you know, well enough over the years, and I would lose my honorary citizenship in Flatbush if it wasn't raised. So let me give it to you in the context of how it was raised. The first thing I spoke about was how much American Jewry, our, our community, are grateful for law enforcement and for the FBI. We don't take it for granted. On November 9th, 1938, if you called 911 in, in uh, Germany... The police and the fire trucks came in order to make sure that no German property was uh, uh, was burnt as a result and no real Germans, true Germans, were going to be hurt. So we come a long way and we're very grateful. Number two, the person, the agent in charge that day of what took place is an amazing person. He's one of the best people that the FBI ever produced, and he did a great job that day. When you review that um, uh, press conference and every Jew who watched it, remember for us it was just after Motsi Shabbos in the West Coast, every one of us reacted the same way. Everything else that was there saying, well, you know, we're still looking into it, we're investigating. When this came out, he immediately said there's no connection to the Jewish community. What I said yesterday to the officials, and it wasn't a question, I said, I know he's one of the best. And I also know, I don't believe for one minute he wrote that sentence. I think that who, who, was... Who wrote the uh, sentence? That was um, a talking point that was handed to him. Now, I'm not a conspiracy buff. You know me well enough. I only like... But if you take a look at the original statements early Saturday evening, uh, from initial from the, from the White House, it didn't mention the word Jew. By the way, the president made a very strong statement afterwards, and all the other statements later on from the FBI were, were spot on. And the fact of the matter is, we also now have access to the phone call between the terrorist's brother in London and him in real time on Shabbos afternoon, which is re uh, released by the Jewish Chronicle, in which during these 11 minutes, he begs his brother to you know, put the gun down and, and uh, let the people go. The F-bombs against America and his anti-Semitic stuff was all over the place. Now, everybody knows that <laughs> who was listening to the call. Of course, the FBI was listening to get a a gauge of the temperature of where this guy was at. So why would they make um, such a statement in that case? That's so what I think me. a statement like that would be made initially uh, because um, it did focus on Jews. That it, it wasn't, it, it, if there was a way, and uh, unfortunately it was so clear that it was a Shabbat morning, you know, and it, you had someone who came from London 
to target a synagogue nearby the federal facility where this woman, you know, the lady uh, ISIS has been held, I guess the initial reaction was, let's not play that up. Since we don't have the final thing, we don't know for sure, just put out a generic thing that we're following. But my question, Roy Cooper, is therefore. why? If they were in on the phone call, and they, by the time the statement was released, they heard the phone call, they know what's going on. So why put that out? And that's what that's troublesome. Would they do it in the case if it was an African American? Would they say uh, it wasn't the, directly? I think I, the answer to that question is not at FBI headquarters. I think it's in the White House. Do we know who in the White House? Are you? Would you nope. speculate? Okay. No, I don't. I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm not a speculator. <laughs> I will say that at the meeting, and it's by the way, as you can imagine, not the first time I raised it with the FBI since the incident. No one has pushed back at me and said, "Come on, Rabbi." We know you only deal with, you know, you're not a spec. Uh, I just, uh, I think it's very important for us to stay focused. The agent in charge that day, I think, did an unbelievable job. Um, and uh, thank God uh, the rabbi and the other hostages got out. Is that more or less a nace mishamayim? It was a miracle. It was a miracle. But, you know, we try to teach our non-Jewish friends and our children. We believe in miracles. But we also taught not to rely on them. And so going forward, you can't, you can't go into the, a PC or a woke sort of thing. If you do that, if you approach it, then it's not only the Jewish community that's going to get hurt. It's all Americans are not going to be served. And the people that I met with, you know, at the FBI, they're, they're, commitment to the safety of the American citizens. Their whole lives are in there. These people put their lives on the line. These are serious players. So we raise the point. They know exactly how we feel. I don't see this as a talking point about talk, uh, pointing fingers. We, I, I said for the record that the Jewish community was hurt by that statement. And um, we'll, we're just going to go forward on that. We'll leave it to everyone else to figure it they, they can do the speculation and all the rest. We're sending a signal, you know, back to the people whom we entrust our safety to and to our political leadership that uh, anti-Semitism cannot be deflected. And that's why I think it's so important what the president did say. Uh, and number two, we will not allow the Jewish people, American Jews, to be uh, purged from uh, academia or from public life, and we won't allow the likes like Amnesty International uh, and uh, CARE and other groups, other anti-Semites, to dictate to us what the definition of anti-Semitism is. Well, you got your work cut out for you, Rabbi Abraham Cooper, Associate Dean and his Director of Global Social Action Agenda for the Simon Wiesenthal Center in Los Angeles. Thank you for joining. Keep up. Thank you for the work that you do. So if we have Seb, thank God, you. God bless, and I hope to see you soon. Maybe we'll take another one of those cruises. Yeah, that was great. Too. That was one of the best cruises. Uh, Rabbi Cooper and I and Rabbi Marvin Heyer, we were on a cruise on the Daniel River. We went to one of the concentration camps, and it was just an interest in a really, Manhattan was just a really fascinating, fascinating thing. Okay. God I, bless, and I hope you, your loved ones, and your viewers and listeners uh, stay well during the hopefully the tail end of this uh, terrible pandemic. Amen. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, HawklineNetwork.com or our 24 hour a day listen line at 641 741 0389. 
For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to thechalklinenetwork.com. Okay, that's the sign. I hear the ping, and I know. Anyway, great job. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Folks, <laughs> well, we're off, I'm filming for, for if, Facebook. If I manage to get into New York the next two weeks, I'll let you know. Oh, wonderful. Maybe we can get together. Where Where, okay, where is nice. your mother live? In the... My mom has lived in the same apartment for over 60 years. Which section? Corner of Coney Island Avenue and Avenue J. Oh, oh Brooklyn. Oh, I know the area very The heart well. of Flatbush. Yes, 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 yes. Terrific. Anyway, nice to speak right. with you. God bless. You too. Be, Be well, well, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. One of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is Talkline with Zeb Branner. He is so smart, and he is so innovative, and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zev. So Zev, Yashikoch, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, hawklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to thetalklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.